1: each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can stay connected with the show uh, and find out more about what I'm doing, which a lot of times is I'm doing jigsaw puzzles and I'm doing things with yarn. You can find me over there at Fog City Psychic on Instagram. I've started doing a video card of the week, which has turned out to be a lot of fun. So follow me there and kind of chime in on that. I'd love to know how the card I pull at the beginning of the week might have resonance for you as you move through the week. So that's on Instagram at Fog City Psychic. Sometimes it takes a catastrophic, catastrophic event, something life-changing a big upset to wake us up, we get diagnosed with a life-changing illness, we end a long-term relationship, we unexpectedly get laid off, or we face something that just absolutely upends life as we know it. All of us encounter these turning points. So how do we face them? What do we do? My guest today is Rada Ruparel, and she's here to share her wisdom about how we can rise with courage through tough times, and use those lessons to unlock our greatest selves. So are you ready to meet her? Radha Ruparel is a global cross-sector leader with expertise in leadership development and personal transformation. She's worked with CEOs, Fortune 500 senior executives, social entrepreneurs, and grassroots leaders around the world. Rada heads the Collective Leadership Accelerator at Teach for All. That's a global network of independent organizations in 60 countries committed to developing leadership in classrooms and communities to ensure all children fulfill their potential. She holds a dual master's degree from Harvard University and she's the author of Brave Now, Rise Through Struggle, and Unlock Your Greatest Self. You can find out more about Radha and all her work at bravenowbook.com. Radha, welcome to Out of the Fog.
0: Hi, Karen. Good to be with you. So
1: I was taking my son for a flu shot, and he's a grown-up now, but he's scared of flu shots. And there were some other kids there with their parents, and the kids were scared. And the parents were saying, be brave. Just be brave. You can do it. Just don't cry. Don't come on. Just be brave. Just get through it. So what does it mean to you to be brave? That word's got so much baggage in it about like suppress your feelings and toughen up. What does being brave mean to you?
0: Such a great question, Karen. And I think that word is so loaded. You know, I'll say one thing which I don't think it is. I don't think being brave means not having fear. You know, particularly in these times, all of us are facing fear and uncertainty. What I've discovered about being brave, and I, and I discovered it through a, a, a very difficult experience I went through this past year, is that being brave means just taking on each moment newly, even in the face of fear. You know, it means being willing to confront our feelings, all of them, you know, whether it is anger or sadness or joy and not hiding them. You know, being brave means reaching out for help. When you're, when you're afraid, not shying away and thinking you have to do it on your own. And mostly I think being brave means allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and share the deepest parts of ourselves, even if it is fear with others, um, not thinking that we have to wear these invisible, invisible masks all the time. So for me, that's what being brave is. And, and what that means is that just like your son or anyone else in any moment, we can choose to be brave.
1: Hmm. And that's different from tough enough. Don't show me any feeling. And that's important. I think, especially for people, parenting boys. Um, Cause we tell them that brave means nobody sees what you're going through. You know,
0: exactly. Karen, you know, I, I grew up thinking that was brave mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm a leader of large teams. And I thought being tough and not sharing a piece of yourself. And again, particularly for young boys, but also generally in our workplaces, in leadership, being brave is, is, is you know, there's this myth that it's around hiding yourself. It's around doing everything on your own. I've come to believe the opposite. I think being brave is actually reaching out, asking for help, sharing your emotions. Um, but I think we have some unlearning to do as a society in order to embrace that new definition of brave.
1: Now your life changed in the spring of 2020 in a way that sounds like it absolutely upended things for you are you comfortable talking a little bit about what happened what you went through
0: yeah absolutely I'll, I'll share my story and again this is something new for me i think years ago i never would have but again one of the things i'm learning about bravery is it does require uh the courage to to share openly because that might make a difference for other people um, so karen my story was Beginning of 2020, I started life on top of the world. I was healthy. Uh, had great work, great family and friends, friend support network. Uh, and in April 2020, I fell ill with COVID. And I was one of the first people I knew to have this virus. Uh, and for months, I went through a terrifying, terrifying experience where I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it. Um, and then in the in the months and to this day, the, the months that followed, I'm one of those people who now suffer from what they call long hauler COVID. And so while I've recovered much of my health, on a daily basis, I'm still dealing with unimaginable things uh, that I couldn't have even believed a few months ago.
1: Wow. And that you talk about this in detail in the book and Brave Now. Do you find that? as you Uh, share, this may sound silly, so let's see how this goes. Do you find that as you share your story, you feel better? I'm putting better in quotes. It doesn't remove viral load from your system, but does it help you feel better?
0: Yeah, it's such a great question. You know, this is one of the most powerful things I've discovered through this. So initially, you know, when I fell ill, I barely wanted to tell anyone around about it. You know, I I thought, I'm just, this is going to be like the flu. I'm going to tough it out. And, you know, one of the most powerful things that happened was I had a coworker who started reaching out to me every day and just sending me a text message and saying, how are you doing? Now, for the first few days, uh, I just had that tough response. I'm doing all right. I don't need anything. I'll be better in a few days. I'll be back at work. And then finally, one day I realized I need help and I need support. And so I started sharing with her. And that experience was so powerful because in that sharing, we developed such a beautiful connection that not only supported me, but what I realized was that every single time now I open myself up to someone else, they are starting to share their stories with me. It might not be an illness, but it might be something that they're dealing with. You know, maybe it's, um, You know, I've had a lot of mothers tell me about how challenging it is to parent working from home. I've had others who've told me how difficult it is to be in this environment of uncertainty. And so what I discovered is not only did connecting with others in a deeper way help me, but it also created a space where other people can be their authentic selves as well. And that's just been such a powerful learning.
1: When we find ourselves going through one of these catastrophic events, big life-changing events. What would you say to someone who reached out to you and said, I brave now it's a great title. I don't feel brave. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I feel broken. I don't know what to do next. Where do we start at a time like that?
0: Yes. Well, first of all, I would say, I just hear you (laughs) tell me what's going on because Karen, the, The thing that helped me the most was people in my life who didn't try to rush and solve my problem, who didn't tell me, tough it out, they said, tell me what's going on. And they just heard me and they listened to me deeply and they just let me say what was happening. And sometimes just in the power of one person's listening, some of your pain can disappear, or at least I found that for myself. So that's the first thing I would do, I would listen. The second thing that I would do is I would encourage them to share with it. just even one person, you know, tell someone what's going on, open yourself up. I know it might seem hard, but that's the other thing that I discovered. The power of just one person being on your side can make you realize that you're not going through this alone. And likely when you share, you will realize there's many, many other people who are dealing with this or something similar. Um, so that's what I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. And that there's, there's time healing isn't often isn't instant resolution isn't instant, that there is time to take the steps you need to take to get through this.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the things that I have. I have discovered it's Karen, something that you said at the beginning. I mean, we need to take time to, to heal, you know, for me, it's been been a year and a half and I'm still on the healing journey. And one of the things that we also need to do is be compassionate with ourselves as we're going through this journey. You know, when I first fell ill, one of the things I started doing was I started looking at other people around me who got the same virus. And I said, "Wow." Well, They're recovering in two weeks. They're recovering in four weeks. At first I said, what's wrong with me? I started comparing myself to other people. And that was the the most dangerous thing. And it was actually people in my life who were more compassionate with me than I was with myself that reminded me about the importance of self-compassion. And so I think we both need time but we also need to be aware of what we tell ourselves. And so, you know, on my uh, kitchen counter, I have this note that I've written up that says, be gentle with yourself. And I see that every day. And it just reminds me that life is challenging sometimes and we have to treat ourselves with respect and gentleness and compassion. Mm -hmm.
1: The note I have here above my desk says, "Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle."
0: Oh so, wow, that's so beautiful, Karen.
1: Yeah. So you and
0: I have so sim- I love that. We have similar notes. Um, <laughs> and- <laughs> I call these little love notes to myself. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it it uh, it's just a good reminder of these intentions that we have, but it's just such a good reminder. I love that you have one too, Karen.
1: Well, and the way that we talk to ourselves is so important. That negative self talk can uh, spin something that's already maybe not going well, already difficult, already a challenge, can really spin it into something really negative.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, one of the things that I discovered through this whole battle was. Our language matters and the words we say to others matter, but the words we say to ourselves matter just as much. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned to, again, just be notice what I'm saying to myself. If I say, why am I not healthy already? Why haven't I recovered? I try to change that language to I hope I develop the power to be able to deal with my circumstances, whatever life throws me. Or Karen, I used to wake up in the morning and you know I would have so many symptoms. Sometimes I would have trouble breathing. Other times I would have nausea. Otherwise, other times I would wake up with my heart racing at 150 beats a minute. Oh. And sometimes what would happen is if I woke up in a bad state, I would say to myself, oh, no, this is going to be a bad day. Well, you know what happens the minute you say those words to yourself, well, that's what happens, right? Everything then you see through that lens of this is going to be a bad day. So I've started just adjusting my language slightly. So instead of saying this is going to be a bad day, I now just say to myself, all right, I'm having an off moment. Hmm. And that simple switch in language is so powerful because what it doesn't do is it doesn't suppress what I'm feeling. Like it allows me to feel whatever I'm feeling in the moment. But at the same time, in the next moment, I can choose to be another way. So I'm just, I've am just i just got really, really intentional about the words that I say to myself, and it's something I have to practice on a day-to-day basis.
1: You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Radha Ruparel. Her new book is Brave Now, Rise Through Struggle and Unlock Your Greatest Self. And you can find out more about Radha and her work at bravenowbook.com. I love micro-movements. Boy, do I love micro-movements. And in your book, you talk about what you call micro-practices and how they can lead us to build lasting habits. And I was wondering, what's an example of a micro-practice for you that's been especially powerful? And maybe there are some of those you'd like to share with the listeners.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me just share two. So one is anytime you're starting a new habit, one of the things I've realized is to start small. Start so small that you can make it happen. So it's just one example of this. You know, after I'd been sick for for a month, I had been bedridden. And just even the act of walking was difficult. And so in order to start walking, I developed a micro practice. So You know, the first few days, it was just, okay, I'm going to take a walk back and forth to my kitchen just to get food, just a minute, and I'll do it once a day. Then I started going out with a friend, and he used to take me and his dog for a walk, and we'd walk down the block uh, for, for two minutes. Then the next day, it was five minutes, and the next day, it was 10 minutes. And, you know, I share this with walking which is something that's now innate to all of us, but whatever it is, whether it's building a writing habit or meditation or trying to exercise, that's one thing I've learned is start small in one or two minute segments and build up. Um, But my favorite micro practice, Karen, comes back to this, this idea of self-compassion. So at the end of each night, one of the practices I do, it's a micro practice to build self-compassion is I just acknowledge myself for something small from that day, something that I'm proud of. And it kind of seems silly and self-indulgent at first. But what I realized is when we're compassionate to ourselves, then we're able to be compassionate with others as well. And so some days, Karen, you know, when I first fell ill, it was I got out of bed today that I acknowledge myself for or I took a walk for five minutes you know, later in my journey, it was, I decided I wanted to share my story. So I would acknowledge myself for, I wrote a few words today, or, you know, I did something very tiny and small. And so just this micro practice of taking one minute every day and acknowledging ourselves for something that we're proud of, I think allows us to notice the good stuff in our life and allows us to do it in just a minute, a day or less.
1: Mm. I love that. I, um, personally love to think about leaving a little treat for myself at the end of the day, whether that, for example, if you went in my bedroom right now, you'd see the book that I'm going to read before bed laid out right on my pillow. I love leaving something small for myself to kind of find at the end of the day, almost as a, a blessing for myself when I when I come into the room. So I love that practice of acknowledging yourself and doing it with, um, with, with kindness.
0: That's amazing, Karen. And and again, like all of us can develop whatever practice makes sense for us. But many times people tell me, well, I can't, you know, look at the world with more compassion or I don't know how to treat myself with generosity. And what I say is, actually, in a minute or two, you can build that in, in whatever way is authentic to you. And for me, that micro practice started with being compassionate with myself. Then I built another micro practice of taking a moment each day to acknowledge someone else. And Mm -hmm. Karen, that was so beautiful because I went through the most harrowing experience of my life. But when I started just taking a moment each day to just send someone a note or after a meeting, uh, drop them a quick line and say, Hey, you know, that thing you said that made a real difference for me just in 30 seconds or less, not only did people feel appreciated, but I started noticing all this goodness and kindness around me that I hadn't before. And in a world where we're dealing with so much fear and uncertainty and the media is telling us all the things that are wrong, I actually think it's, it's amazing to be able to pause and notice some of the things around us that are working. And I think there's a lot around us that we just don't even pause to take a moment to notice. We're
1: going through a time when the spotlight is on leadership whether it's in big organizations or small there's a real spotlight on leadership and you've said that we need a a new kind of leadership a new model of leadership as we move forward and i'm just curious about what what will that look like what is that It feels to me, and I'm an old person now, but it feels to me like that paradigm is shifting from that very masculine energy, top-down, really harsh, toughen-up-and-do-it way, That that we're shifting. There's an opportunity here to run our corporations and our movements and our programs and our initiatives in a different way. What do you think about that? What do leaders need to have to take us into this new
0: time? That's a great question, Karen. So for context... These days, I work in a global network called Teach for All, and we are working with leaders in over 60 countries around the world who are reimagining education. And by the way, when I say leaders, I'm not just talking about people at the tops of the organization. I mean, the teachers who are in classroom, the parents who are supporting them, the students. You know, I believe that actually any person in any moment can exercise leadership. And so one of the things that we believe is what we need in the world is collective leadership. That is many different people from all walks of life at all levels of of organizations and systems working together. Because when we think about some of the biggest challenges of our time, whether it's how do we make sure our young people get educated well? Or how do we make sure our societies, you know, treat every human being with fairness or How do we make sure that we have an earth left for the next generations? Those problems are so complex and no one solution is going to suffice. So I think we need many diverse people coming together. And underneath that, I think you're right. I think it does require some of these capabilities that might be more traditionally thought of as feminine. You know, the ability to stop and pause and and look inward at yourself the ability to listen deeply to people who have different perspectives and the ability to bring people together who might have different perspectives with the idea that we're probably going to get more creative solutions if we truly hear different voices and perspectives, because no one of us has the full answer.
1: As I'm thinking about what you're saying, I'm just coming back to the idea of bravery not being about hardening or rigidity, but about being softer, more open, more strong, more willing to, we're we're not very good at listening to the people who disagree with us right now. I don't know if you experience that, but there's a lot of um, uh, division between people right now. And it feels to me like maybe the most courageous thing to do is listen to each other and hold that space, as you say, for the creative solution for the coming together.
0: Yes, Karen, you know, it it bothers me so much that we have these divisions in our society and they just seem to be growing and, and, you know, the world seems to be getting more divisive. And what I really believe is this leadership capacity of listening of deeply listening to one another is something that we need to cultivate. You know, I think we should teach this in our schools. I think we as adults need to develop this capacity, you know, and it takes something. But underneath it is just a very simple premise that all human beings have value and worth. You know, and if you start there, then, you know, when you approach a conversation with someone who has a different perspective, and instead of being righteous about your own perspective, which, you know, I can say I've been in that position as well. So I know how hard it is to step off that. You now, how can we be deeply curious? How can we seek to understand, you know, what is it that that, that, that matters to them? What do they value? Um, and I think that takes some skill. I also think that means taking a hard look at ourselves and understanding what do we value or what gets us afraid and again, I think this is a skill that can be developed. And I wish we developed deep listening in our schools with the same rigor that we think about math and literacy. That's my greatest hope.
1: Hmm. Rada, thank you for talking with us and for sharing your experience. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Karen. It was good to be with you.
1: That's Rada Ruparel. Her new book is Brave Now. Rise Through Struggle and Unlock Your Greatest Self. And you can find out more about Radha and her work at bravenowbook.com. And you can always find me at karenhager.com. It's a good place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private intuitive session if you're so inclined. There's classes to check out. There's a ton going on. You can follow me on Instagram where I'm at, Fog City Psychic. You can take a look at my baby. It's like a little tiny baby, like a, like a baby kitten YouTube channel. I'm starting to put the podcast up there, just audio only for now. I don't know what I'm going to do with it later. And remember to take a deep breath you are loved. You are seen. You're not alone. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.